0: You can get this full audiobook for free on Amazon by clicking on the link in the description is brought to you by the book guide. The only episode I can remember actually being about something was the one when sister Patrila had to deal with Irving, a lovesick pelican, explaining gently that while she was very fond of him, she was not ready to settle down yet. Other than that, every episode was pretty much the same. Every day was pretty much the same including the day or two in each episode that was different because they were always different in the same way on those days i would have to fly that meant i'd be wearing the harness which was a cross between a corseted one-piece bathing suit and a straitjacket with one large screw sticking out of each hip After I got it on and tightly laced my body, a specially made habit with corresponding holes on either side was placed over the torturous contraption, allowing the screws to poke through where two thin wires were then attached. They were called piano wires, but I doubt that they were the same fine strands of steel used to create music, not while I was attached, at least. During the pilot and early in production, I was required to do all the flying, Not only the tight shots where you could actually see my face, but also the wider ones shot from a distance when you couldn't tell if it was me or baby Huey 35 feet in the air. On these exterior days, mostly spent at the Columbia Ranch, so close and yet so far from Gidget's neighborhood, I'd be connected to an enormous building crane by my non-musical wires, then hoisted up over the facade of a large town square containing a brownish-gray convent. Operating this heavy piece of machinery was a bleary-eyed special effects man who usually smelled as though he would have failed a breathalyzer test. This guy would then proceed to fly me smack into building after building while the whole time I'd be screaming for him to watch where I was going. Luckily, I'd have time to prepare myself, and as I watched the convent speeding toward me, or me towards the convent, I'd raise my legs and extend my arms, then plant myself on the wall, looking like Spider-Man in a nun's habit halfway through production a blessed saint of a stunt woman was hired and ralph or whatever his name was would then splat her all over the convent walls instead i guess she was expendable i continued to do all the closer flying shots which were mostly filmed on stage two at screen gyms where our sets were located Wearing the same dreaded harness, I'd be cranked up ten or twelve feet off the ground in front of a blue or green screen with two big fans standing just off camera to blow a steady gale in my face. The whole thing aptly called poor man's process. I can't say the days on the outside were more fun, but they were less painful for sure. Once the camera was in place and the wires painted the color of the screen and the wind blowing at just the right angle, I'd have to dangle there for what seemed like hours leaning on or over a ladder between shots, usually supplied by a thoughtful grip. When I was asked to surf for Gidget, the studio had provided me with a lesson or two, but no one gave me any pointers on how to perform in the air, and no one thought I might benefit from a singing lesson or two, or four hundred. Because not only did Sister Bertrill fly, she also sang, something that didn't come naturally to me, not that flying did. I'd always wanted to sing and knew every musical by heart, but damn, I could not sing. And as much as that tormented me, the studio didn't see it as a problem. Every weekend they'd drag me into a recording studio, then place a pair of padded headphones over my ears and tell me to sing. I remember waiting early one Saturday morning on a bench outside one of the stages filled with dread because I was going to have to stand up straight and do something I had no idea how to do. I'd been exactly on time to the Columbia Records Tower just off Hollywood Boulevard, but the stage I'd been assigned to was still occupied, so I sat there for hours. Finally, the door flew open and Grace Slick, along with much of the Jefferson Airplane, stumbled out after having been ensconced for days, leaving me to fill their marijuana-infused sage with my zippy little tunes. My hair in braids, hands in my pockets, I stood on the worn wooden floor surrounded by abandoned music stands while the producers moved into place behind the glass wall of the booth. Finally, the sound mixer put his hand on the enormous console I slipped the earphones over my ears, then stepped under the huge hanging mic, and we were rolling. Yes, I could clearly hear the pre-recorded track through the headset, but for Christ's sake, I had no idea when to begin. Whatever pride I had was swallowed when the composer-producer stood and pointed at me, as though it were my turn to jump out of the airplane. His fingers shot my way, and without a parachute, off I went, singing the unforgettable lyrics, Optimize, optimize, and you cut your troubles.